Hi everybody, it's great to be with you again after quite a few weeks. I'm delighted to have had different people sharing over the summer and uh, glad to get a chance to share today. I hope you've had some kind of rest, uh, whether you got away or just relaxed at home during August. I hope you got to switch off a bit. Um, as a family, we were really blessed to get some time away in Wales, which we were so grateful for. If you're anything like me, you're probably approaching this season with a little bit of nervousness, maybe trepidation or even downright fear. Although things have eased a lot since the initial lockdown period, this pandemic is by no means over and there's still a massive amount of uncertainty and anxiety around the place. You know, some industries are in very difficult situations. Some people's jobs are by no means secure. Um, as a nation, we're facing a tough economic future and we're pinning our hopes on a vaccine, but it's not clear when or even if that will become available. And so as different sectors of society gradually open up, others have to lock down and trying to get everyone to just stick to the rules is really tricky. And I just sense a lot of tension around. And of course, um, some of that nervousness and uncertainty carries into church life as well as we look ahead. Not quite exactly sure how to approach the next season, but I was really challenged by this article from a leadership guru in the States called Kerry Newhoff. He described five types of church leader in terms of how they approach this next season. Um, although it's sort of aimed at church leaders to some extent, I think it just applies to all of us. He said you can be either a denier or a reverter, a resigner, an adapter or an innovator. Deniers are clearly people who pretend, just, just kind of stick your head in the sand and pretend that what's going on isn't really happening. And um, that's a pretty terrible strategy for leadership and for life. Um, it's just there's no denying what's going on. Um, he talked about reverters, somebody who just actively tries to recreate or restore the past. You know, there's a tendency in us to want to go back to what's familiar um, but I'm not sure that that's going to really work or even be possible uh, in the next season. He talked about being a resigner, and uh, I think all of us can relate to that in one way or another. Just ready to give up at the thought of, oh my gosh, one more change. And so it's important to pay attention to our emotional health and just to be aware of where we are in that. He talked about being an adapter, and of course, being adaptable is essential to leading anything, whether it be a large-scale organisation or team or group or just leading your family or even just leading yourself. Adaptability is a key, uh, a key criteria, a key skill. But critically, um, adaptability or an adapting is not the same as innovating. And one of the key differences is that innovation is something that you choose to do, whereas adapting is something that just kind of is thrust on you. And that's what's happened to us, isn't it? Over the last six months, uh, the lockdown situation was thrust on us and we've all had to adapt. Some of us have adapted really well. Others of, others of us have found it a bit more tricky. Um, and, but now more than ever, it seems like we've got an opportunity not just to adapt, uh, but to move forward, to innovate and to actually embrace and trust God that he is in the situation we're in. And so when it comes to innovation, the good news is that the mission of our church is eternal. The methods might change from generation to generation, but churches who reinvent those methods ultimately become those who preserve the mission of the church. You just need to look at the Apostle Paul or the reformers in history to understand that. And so now we have to look to innovate. We have to think about what it is that we want to do to survive and grow and embrace what God is doing in this next season. That doesn't mean that we ignore the very real pain and hardship and stress and grief of the last few months, but it does mean that we have to start to look ahead with vision and with hope and that we trust God 
to be with us as we figure out what life is like in church for the next few months. And so we are planning to tentatively begin some live services in the next few weeks, as long as the government advice doesn't change. We will give you full information next week. But we also know that for many of us, we will need to stay online. Um, and so that's not stopping either. And even for those who can come to a service, church will look very different. So it's a bit of a cliche. We've heard this phrase a lot, but that term, the new normal, is really appropriate here. It isn't enough just to adapt. We actually have to embrace the future and dream and just do things differently. And we need to look to do that in a style of innovation. And that's challenging because nobody asked for this. We didn't want it and it's certainly not been comfortable, but this is our reality. And so all that by way of introduction and as we dig into what that means today and for the next couple of weeks uh, for our church, Winchester Vineyard, I want to kick off with a bit of encouragement. I just want to remind you, guys, God is with us. I was reminded of this phrase. It just came to my mind when I was praying the other day. Uh, the phrase is, in his grip. Now, some Christians I know use that as a sign-off on their emails. I don't know how you sign off your emails. And it sort of slightly makes me smile because it's not kind of a phrase that I would use. But as I thought about it, I actually thought that is really comforting because the truth is we are in his grip. You know, a grip means to hold fast, to grasp, to seize it and to, to keep hold of it. You've got a good grip on the problem. You've got a good grip on the situation. And I've heard people use the phrase that we are in the grip of a pandemic, that we are in the grip of this virus, that this virus has got us and it's got hold of us. And I am really reassured that that's not true because as God's people, we are in his grip. We're not in the grip of any pandemic. We're in the grip of God. He has a firm hand on us and he's not letting us go. And if you read Isaiah chapter 41 and verse 13, the message version says this, because I, your God, have a firm grip on you and I'm not letting go. I'm telling you, don't panic. I'm right here to help you. And the NIV version is there too. And so with that in mind, for the next three weeks, I want us to look, think about what church life looks like in this season. What does it mean to effectively keep calm and carry on, even though things will need to change? What does it look like to embrace where we are, to look to the future? I want to remind us of our values and our vision and our priorities. None of those have changed as Winchester Vineyard. The way that we do them might change, but what we're aiming for ultimately hasn't changed. And so as we think about that and how church looks in this season, uh, we're going to use the model of the vineyard person. What is the vineyard person, I hear you asking? Well, if you've been around a little while, you'll have heard of me uh, talk about this before. Um, but for those of you who haven't, um, this is just a simple diagram that John Wimber put together. John Wimber is the guy who started the vineyard movement uh, back in the 80s in California. And somebody asked him to describe what are the kind of key aspects, what are the important parts of a vineyard church? And so John, in order to describe this well, drew out this person and kind of used it as an analogy for the vineyard church. When it comes to a description of the church, the first thing to say is that uh, we stand on the foundation of the Bible, the word of God. We believe that this is God's word to us. And then the, the phrase, the kingdom of God, describes basically the way that we understand and interpret the Bible, how we understand the big story of God and our place in it and what God wants to do in the world. Now that's a whole topic in itself and we're not going there today, but that's the foundation that the vineyard person stands on. Uh, then we have the legs and the legs are equal legs of worship and compassion. This is basically what the body stands on. This is what supports our body. These are key values for us, key things that we believe in, key practices that we do. And I'm going to come back and talk about those a little bit later this morning. Uh, when it comes to the sort of main body 
body of the church, there are four things, uh, four kind of ways of describing uh, what the community of faith looks like. We talk about ourselves as a community or a house or a home or whatever. We talk about ourselves as a hospital where people get healed. We talk about ourselves as a school where we learn and grow and as an army where we go and and actively take ground and uh, do God's work in the world. And so house, hospital, school and army is the body. And we will come to that and describe that next week a little bit more. In terms of our arms reaching out sideways, we're involved in both church planting and church development. um, And that's important to us. And then when it comes to the head, this is all about Jesus. Jesus is the head of our church and uh, Jesus's key activities of disciple making and equipping his saints are what we are all about. And we'll come to that and look at that in more detail in a couple of weeks time. That's just the briefest of introductions to the vineyard person. If you want to find out more, there is a document that you can download with a full description and some verses to sort of back up and describe each of those sections Uh, and you're welcome to look at that in your own time but today I want to go on and talk about the legs next week we're going to talk about the body and the week after that we're going to talk about the head and so the legs of the vineyard person as I said are worship and compassion and both of these are essential values for us they are effectively what supports the main activity of the church the main body of the church and we've always placed the highest the highest priority on both worship and compassion. When it comes to worship, you could sum up the Bible's attitude to worship with this verse from Luke chapter 10. It kind of summarises the first commandment from the Old Testament. What does it mean to live a life of devotion to God? Luke 10 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind. You know, as Christians, worship is our highest priority. It's what we were made for. We desire to worship God with our whole being. We want Jesus to be at the centre of our lives, our Lord and Saviour. When we gather as church family, one of the key things that we do is we worship him together. And as a vineyard church, it's always been our aim that our worship is inspired and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And that we worship in a style that's intimate and dynamic, it's culture current and it's life changing. That's a key part of who we are and how we feel that God has called us to do church. And that's why in this season, worship is such a challenge because we just love to sing together. And that's one of the things we can't do at the minute. You know, the Bible commands us to sing a new song and we really miss that, don't we? But we also know that worship is much more than just singing songs together. And when it is just reduced to that, well, we're just really only scratching the surface. And so by worship, we also mean actually living lives that are submitted to God and serving his purposes. We're talking about living in such a way that will bring glory to him. And usually that stands out against the rest of the community that we're in. The way we live our lives is our worship. And so the way we deal with our friends or our neighbours, the way we relate to our colleagues or clients, our patients, our line managers, our pupils, the way we interact with our husband or wife or children or parents, the way, we, the way we deal with people is our worship. Our worship is also seen in the way that we handle our money, how we behave sexually, how we relax and party, how we do our jobs, the language that comes out of our mouths. Worship is also what's happening when we pray and when we meditate on the Bible and when we pray for one another and when we heal the sick and cast out demons and when we speak God's truth and life over friends and people and communities and when we feed the poor and when we care for the bereaved and the immigrant. All of this is worship. Worship is a whole of life deal. And I hope you can already see why it is that that other leg of compassion is so integral to how we worship, how important it is. And you know what? When it comes to October, we're actually going to spend six weeks 
looking a lot more in depth about this area of worship. Uh, we're going to dig into our key worship values and look at how we can practice them in this challenging season. That's coming up in October. And so I want to kick on to the next part, which is the other leg of compassion. Compassion literally means to suffer with. It's more than a feeling of sympathy. It's a concern that leads to action. Compassion means doing something about what we're feeling or seeing in front of us. And as a church and as a movement, we've always leaned into compassion. This is a key part of trying to follow Jesus. You know, we read stories in the Gospels about the things Jesus did. And he did some pretty crazy things and some pretty dramatic things. And I wonder if you've ever wondered, you know, what is it that made him do those things? And usually it's for one of two reasons. Either it was a direct order from his father, God, that he was just obeying. Or he was moved by compassion. Here's a couple of examples from Matthew 9. And Matthew 14, it says that Jesus was moved with compassion and therefore he acted. It says he saw the crowd and he had compassion on them. It's almost like most of the time Jesus wasn't acting or didn't act until he would kind of heard clear instructions from his father. But when it came to compassion, he just saw the people in need and he didn't need to be told by his father to act. He just followed his instinct, his gut feeling, and he moved. and He did something about it. And I think that's because the spirit was in him anyway. He didn't need a word from God. Sometimes he just felt it and did it. And so when we worship, we experience the presence of Jesus. We experience the Holy Spirit. And the more that we do that, the more we will also know his compassion in us. Not just a feeling, but a compulsion to act that goes beyond our emotions. You know, when we spend time with Jesus and we're filled with his presence, we can't help but express his heart of mercy and his cry for justice. When Joe was talking with Nell from International Justice Mission about slavery back in August, we just got a taste of that. You can't, sometimes you can't not do anything. You've just got to act. And that's what the kingdom of God is all about. And that's why so much of the social justice in our world actually is done by, uh, it comes from the church. Not all of it, but quite a lot of it comes from the church. And that's why Winchester Vineyard Compassion Ministry has always been really important for us. How we reach out and serve our city and the communities around us. And we've got a long way to go before we catch up with the, the Catholics or the Salvation Army. But, you know, compassion has always been an essential part of our church life here. Back in January, I presented some storehouse statistics from last year, from 2019, and the 2018 ones are included here too. And it shows just how many different individuals and families and organisations we've been able to help. From providing essential food for struggling families to clothing literally hundreds of children, our Compassion Ministry has always been a vital part of what we do. And back in January, I talked about how this year, 2020, was going to be a really important transition year for Compassion. Little did we know then just how important it would be. And during lockdown, the needs of our community have stepped up and many of you have stepped up too, getting involved with food projects, with collecting, with buying, with sorting, driving and delivering food to one of the many families that we've supported through this crisis. Further afield, our compassion has been expressed through various global partners, including Caris Kids in Uganda and Shores of Grace in Brazil, where we are supporting teams who are investing in some of the poorest people on the planet. And we're doing it in the name of Jesus and out of a heart of compassion. And then some of our compassion is less visible than that. In fact, some of it's not even appropriate to talk about. But so many of you are involved in so many different ways and giving your time, and your energy and your money to really make a difference in the lives of other people. It's not sexy, it's not glamorous, it's not celebrated or recognised or rewarded except for in heaven where God is just delighted. But it's an incredible investment in his kingdom down here and an essential 
it's an essential part of our worship. You see, the Bible's very clear about God's heart for the poor. And while he loves to meet with us in worship, his expectation is that the natural flow of God's people meeting with him is outwards, outwards towards those who don't yet know him, outwards towards those in need, outwards to those for whom he has compassion. In the Old Testament, God actually warns his people about how their worship rituals are meaningless, not just meaningless, but actually offensive unless justice and righteousness and compassion are also being expressed. Here's an example in Amos 5. I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Verse 23. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps, but let justice roll on like a river and righteousness like a never failing stream. On the flip side, if you look at this passage in Isaiah, God seems to be saying that when you look after the poor, I, God, will answer your prayers. God says, what I'm interested in seeing you do is share your food with the hungry, invite the homeless poor into your homes, put clothes on the shivering ill-clad and be available to your own families. And then jumping down to the bottom of the passage, then when you pray, God says, I will answer. You'll call out for help and I'll say, here I am. And you can see this message echoed through the Gospels with Jesus when he says, truly, I tell you, whatever you do for the least of these, you do for me. And also through the New Testament writers. So actually, worship and compassion have always gone hand in hand, or rather, in our diagram, equally legged. (laughs) The legs are key to supporting the body. And in order to function well, they need to be of equal length and strength and importance. Unequal legs lead to back problems and mobility problems and ultimately They stop the body working as it should. And so compassion is the natural outflow of our worship, of our encounters with God. When we meet with him, we're empowered to go to be a blessing. And if we experience God's presence, but we don't actually take it out somewhere, then it's kind of like we're overindulging. And you know what happens if you keep overindulging, you just get sick. But when worship and compassion are flowing together, there's an inflow and an outflow. There's a synergy and health and a vitality. I was um, on a call with the worship advisory group of the Vineyard Movement, which is a group that I'm part of, worship leaders uh, from around the UK and Ireland. And we were just sharing, we were, it was in lockdown, it was June or July sometime, and we were just sharing what are the greatest challenges and opportunities for worship leaders in this time in lockdown. And some of the challenges expressed were that it's kind of easy for people to switch off uh, when worship's coming through a screen. And, and uh, it's, it turns out it's just really hard to express our worship when we're not singing. So much of it re- seems to rely on singing and it's hard to engage over the Internet. But they were also expressing some brilliant opportunities about how this has been a time for us to really look at our lives. And when so much is different to think about why we do certain things and, uh, and really own our own journey really understand what this is all about and then ash who's a brilliant guy he's a worship pastor from riverside vineyard in london talked about how during lockdown their compassion ministry had moved into their main church sanctuary well that grabbed my attention because that's kind of basically what's happened to us we had the basics bank uh, come in and operate out of our church sanctuary for quite a few weeks uh, during lockdown in fact they're still there in a way and while ash was sharing he made this really perceptive comment he said perhaps our compassion is our worship in this season. 
Well, as soon as he said that, I immediately started thinking of this vineyard person that I've just shown you. And I imagined the vineyard person kind of standing on one leg, um, their compassion leg, firm and strong, and kind of doing a crazy one-legged worship dance. Um, and so I decided to draw it out, and I'm, I'm a terrible artist, but I always doodle when I'm on calls. And so I drew it out, and I sent this picture uh, to everybody else on the call. And uh, despite my terrible drawing skills, they appreciated it. Anyway, the more I've thought about this and the more I've prayed about it, the more convinced I am that this is a word from God for us in this season. Instead of our hall being full of singing worshippers, it's been full of food distribution volunteers. As well as pouring our hearts out to God through song, what if we were also pouring our hearts out to God through practical demonstrations of his life and love for others? What if our extended worship looked not like extra songs or longer soaking times, but going the extra mile to give, to extend our generosity, to give our time, our energy and our money to act in some way to show love and compassion? And I wonder if that's what the Lord is inviting us to do now, to kind of lead with our compassion leg in this season to let compassion become a key expression of how we actually live out our worship life as a church. I wonder what that might look like for you in your sphere of influence. I wonder what might the Spirit might be nudging you about, even right now. It reminded me of this really challenging tweet from Alan Scott, who said, we've spent so long inviting God to show up in our services that we've missed his invitation to show up in our cities. And I wonder if in this season, God is inviting us to show up in our cities and our communities like never before. And some of us might feel, oh, we've done that. We've been there. We've been to the neighbours. We've done our clapping for the NHS. Now we just want to get back to normal things. But I think this is genuinely our moment to kick on. In this season, our worship is different. It's a bit strange. It may be that we have to grieve that loss. But let's not use that as an excuse not to find other ways to worship God. Let's look and see what God's doing in our communities in this season. I wonder if we ask ourselves, who is in need? How can we help them? How can we partner with and support those who are helping? Whose resources are really stretched right now? Who would just really appreciate some kindness and some love? And how can we share that love and the truth and the life of God with the people who are in the greatest need and bring hope where there's hopelessness? How can we demonstrate the love of God in our cities and our communities, in our offices and our streets and our playgrounds and our families and our friendship groups? I'm not saying that worship isn't important or even that it takes second place. I'm saying that in this season, God is inviting us to a new expression of both worship and compassion that work together and that look and feel different. And that's a challenge. And so why don't we pray right now? And I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to come and to show us how we can respond to this. So wherever you are, why don't you just close your eyes and hold out your hands. And we just invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and meet with us and minister to us now. In Jesus' name. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your truth and for your words. And we welcome you now. And my sense is that what God wants to do is he wants to minister to us. And some of us are genuinely feeling a loss and a grief about why we can't go back to how things were. And the Lord just wants to meet you in that place. And it's okay. If you feel sad, if if you're feeling that, feeling those emotions, let them flow, that's fine. And Holy Spirit will come and minister to you. 
And if there's somebody with you, maybe they can just reach over and stretch an arm out and, and gently lay a hand on you and pray blessing what God is doing. So why don't we do that? But I also think that God wants to speak to all of us about who it is. I think he wants to give us a nudge about what that compassion looks like for each of us. So as we're here in this space, why don't you also invite the Holy Spirit to come and show us who is it that I'm meant to reach out to? How can I show this love? What is my act of worship in our community this week? Holy Spirit, come and show us, we pray. And the Lord is doing a whole bunch of other things as well. He's meeting us. He's with us. And we're going to put a track on now. And we're going to let the worship play. And I just invite you to stay where you are. Stay in that place of letting God's Holy Spirit wash over you. And as you reflect on today's talk, just invite him to speak to you, to show you what he wants to show you, to comfort you, to bring you comfort if you need comfort, to bring you inspiration if you need inspiration, to show you who and where and how you should respond to this message today. Holy Spirit, come. We thank you for your presence and we bless you. Please continue to speak to us as we just um, make this space to worship you and to be in your presence. Amen.